You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Bodega, 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 Alpha and Omega. <clears throat> Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. Sawing about a serving platter. Hey, hey Jamie. Yes. Uh, did, uh, did you want to try reading that line on the script there? Oh, yeah, let's see. Uh, you could say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, that one? Yes. Yeah, no, I'm just not warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long. Detector test. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive today. The marmot mangled by mushu pork pancake. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. The Black Oak and Oak Lawn, the South Suburbs' finest casual upscale dining. And Marishka's in Crest Hill. Family owned and operated since 1933. Let's drop the playoff puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Naveau. It's not even so much me as it's Ronick. He's good. And 670 The Score's hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. You don't play this game with a big heart and a big bag of knuckles in front of the net. You don't got dinky do. And we're not going to have a lot of time left to drop the playoff puck, it feels like. My name is James Naveau. You're listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I write for NBC5 Chicago and for The Athletic Chicago. And with me, as always, and probably just as eager to find distraction from the hockey we've witnessed the last few days as I am, is Jay Zawoski from 670 The Score. Jay, what the hell happened, man? You know, it, it's of all the things we probably could have predicted this year, I don't, I don't think what we've seen through three games of this playoff series anyone could have predicted. Maybe some people picked the Nashville Predators to beat the Hawks in a series. You know, maybe they thought that, you know, the Hawks would get cold or some of the young players wouldn't succeed in the playoffs as much as we expected them to. Uh, But this has been a systematic top-to-bottom failure from the Chicago Blackhawks from the moment this series, uh, the puck dropped in game one until last night when the game ended in overtime. Uh, Just a complete disaster, top-to-bottom. And I don't even really know where to begin 
Um, so I'm just going to let you sort of start your thoughts, and I'm going to gather myself, because I'm still trying to prevent myself from going full meatball here, and I'm trying to be analytical, and I'm trying to be thoughtful about it, but from what I see, it's just a team that's just slow, a team that's old, a team that for the first probably five periods, six periods, was uninterested in competing in this playoff series, so I'm going to let you go and see if I calm down within the next I, I think to kind of sum up where I'm at is I just, I really feel like this is all of the fears that we had before the season. This is all of those fears kind of realized, and it's all happening way, way later than you would have thought that it would. You would have thought over the course of an 82-game season, we would have definitively seen this kind of thing coming. We would have definitively seen the kind of lack of defensive ability happen. We would have seen the lack of speed happen. We would have seen, you know, a lack of scoring depth happen. I mean, we literally we feared all of these things. But over 82 games, we kind of were lulled into almost this sense of security because the young guys like Ryan Hartman and Nick Schmaltz had played so well. And Richard Panic had scored 23 goals. And Jonathan Taves had surged the second half of the season. And all of these things really kind of made us think that, oh, this offense is going to be all right. And then we also got some progress from Trevor Van Riemsdyk. We kind of thought that maybe once the game slowed down a little bit, the, the speed issues that we saw with guys like Johnny Oduya and Brian Campbell wouldn't have been as apparent. We thought the goaltending would have been there. We thought all of these things. We thought the Blackhawks would be able to withstand physical abuse on the ice. We thought they would have been able to show a little bit more speed, a little bit more dynamic play. We thought the adjustments would have been there. All of these things we thought would happen over the because of what had happened over the course of the preceding 82 games. It's like literally all of the things that we thought were going to happen just all of a sudden didn't. And all of a sudden we were right we're right back where we started this season, worrying about all of these things, lack of speed, age, experience, whatever you want to go with, all of the things that we feared would potentially happen with this team. All of a sudden, all of those chickens have come home to roost in the last three games. And it's kind of been a jarring experience. And I think it's one that's left a lot of fans, honestly, kind of at a loss for words almost. Like, you're just kind of like walking around shell shock, like, what the hell is going on with this team? And I'm definitely one of those people who, I mean, I could have seen easily an argument why Nashville could win this series. I could have easily seen why Nashville was probably the toughest potential opponent for the Blackhawks to play in the first round of the playoffs. There is no way, not a conceivable way, if you had come up to me last week and said the Blackhawks will have been shut out two games in a row and will be trailing three games to nothing in the series, there is no way on God's green earth I would have believed you that that would have happened. And yet, here we are. The the, the yeah, Blackhawks are. are down three games to none. Everyone is pointing fingers. I myself, I, I got to be honest, Jay, there's, there's one guy to me that has really kind of stood out, I think, more so than any of the others. And I know that like Brent Seabrook and those guys, it's easy to say they're getting old and slow, and it's hard to argue that point right now. The one guy I'm probably most disappointed in is where the hell has Jonathan Taves been in this series? Well, the only time you see Jonathan Taves is when he's getting stiff arm to the ice. And I think you and I, and especially me, we've gone out of our way to sort of excuse Jonathan Taves for not scoring because he does so many other little things well. Well, guess what? He's also getting friggin' housed 
by the Johansson line, uh, and he's not shutting anyone down either. So basically, what he's doing is winning faceoffs, and that's about it. And it's not at the clip you'd like yeah. him to win him at either. Um, at some point, we've got to talk about. You know, you've got two guys on the team making ten and a half million dollars, and Patrick Kane. I have no problem with the way he's played this series. That's the one guy who looks to me like he's really pissed off and really wants things to go better, and he's doing what he can with his ability to make things happen. But Nashville knows you stop that line, you stop the Blackhawks, and that's what they've done. One thing I want to go back to what you said is, you know, you listed off all the sort of fears that we had, and they all sort of come true at the same time. Here's another thing: the assumption. That the Hawks are just, oh, you know, they know the regular season doesn't matter. They're just waiting for the playoffs to begin to really turn it on. That's bullshit now. We've got to throw that theory out the window because what we saw in those games where they were getting killed in possession but still winning the game or where they looked a little bit slow, we just sort of all assumed like, well, you know, Johnny Oduya, he's going to crank it up when the playoffs come. He'll look better when the playoffs come. That benefit of the doubt is gone now. And I know last year, remember last year they got down 3 nothing to the Blues too. And yeah, they were able to force a Game 7, and who knows, maybe they can do that again here against the National Predators. I doubt it. But the fact that it takes them this long to get their asses going in the playoffs is, is mind-boggling. You watch other playoff series in this league, right? You see Toronto and Washington. There's a big talent gap there, right? But somehow, the Toronto Maple Leafs are able to find a way to take their lesser talent and, and get past the Washington Capitals. You're able to see teams like Calgary, who maybe already at least hang in and at least put up a fight. Every shot the Blackhawks take, every chance they get, is like pulling mm-hmm. freaking teeth. They can't generate a damn thing on their own. Now and again, they'll luck into a scoring chance, but there is no point in this series. I don't even care you know, how well they played in the second and third period of game one and and second period last night, whatever. Throw that all out the window. For a team that's won three Stanley Cups for this expensive of a core, they should be dictating the play more often than not. I don't care if they win or lose. If they lose 4-3, fine. Bounces go against you. That happens in hockey. That's totally understandable. But for them to be absolutely outplayed in every single element of the game, to me, is inexcusable and completely unexpected. And, uh, you know, I was talking to one of my buddies, and he said, "At what point do you start to question Joel Quenville, and has his message worn out?" And I, at the fr- it, it, you know, at first, I sort of laughed it off because the guy's a great coach, one of the best of all time. I like Joel Quenville. There's some things he does that bug me, but look, I don't know if his philosophy of letting the players do their thing and figuring it out is working because they're not. There have been no adjustments, none, and it's just his line changes make no sense. You know, you're going to bring, uh, you're going to put uh, Nick Schmaltz on the bottom six. That doesn't work. You're going to put Ryan Hartman up with Jonathan Taves. Hartman had his worst, and Taves had their worst. They were horrible together possession wise when they were together during the regular season. It doesn't work. It's like he's grasping at straws. And the other thing, sorry for this long rant, is Stan Bowman has to stop giving Quenville his pets back. Okay, that's over. Learn to coach other players. You can't always have Chris Versteeg and Johnny Oduya and Andrew Ladd and all these guys back that you loved. You can't all have them back anymore because you know what? They're done. Find other players that can contribute and help. Bring some fresh blood into the lineup. Maybe someone coming from another system who isn't so comfortable here will will try a little harder to stick around or make an impression. This whole team has been coasting since, uh, you know, before two weeks before the playoffs began, and it just pisses me off because... 
man, I, I, it's, it's almost unfathomable what's happening to them here. Yeah, you can go back and dig through some of the metrics and say, well, you know, you see they weren't a great possession team. No, no one. I don't care. The biggest Hawks doubter in the world could have predicted or seen coming what's happening in this series, and it's, it's ridiculous. I think you hit on something here that's kind of preventing me from putting this squarely on Joel Quenville's shoulders. That dude has been trying every conceivable line combination that he can but but there's there's one there's one thing that's gonna that's that's happening here, and that's that's nobody and I mean not a single player on this damn team is taking the initiative to create any freaking offense on their own. That overtime last night was an embarrassment. Richard panic skating circles around the freaking offensive zone. No one coming to support him. Jonathan Taves, Marion Hosa, all these guys making these blind, stupid passes across the ice. Marion Hosa, the king of protecting the puck, of doing the smart thing, made the idiotic turnover that ended up leading to the game-winning goal. This team is mentally soft, apparently. Apparently, this thing that we didn't notice when they were winning all these cups, apparently, and I hate saying this because it sounds like such a meatball cliche thing to say, they're soft. They are mentally soft. They folded as soon as the adversity kicked in in this series. They let Nashville kick them in the groin in game one, and they have not gotten off the mat yet. Period. End of story. This is on the players to me. This is not on Joel Quenville. No, but I, I think there's there's I, there there's plenty of blame to go around. I'm not blaming Quenville exclusively by any means at all. But you said he made every lineup change possible. No, he didn't. He made every lineup change possible that he likes. You've got Michael Kempney, who by every eye test and metric tells you is better than Brian Campbell and better than Johnny O'Dea at this point, but he won't put him in because he doesn't trust him. He also had an entire regular season, one that we said, oh, you know, the Hawks are just playing out the stretch. It's all about the playoffs, all about the playoffs. Well, you know what? If that's the case, take some time to develop some younger defensemen to spell some of these aged men you have on your blue line. If you developed Michael Kempney and you developed Gustav Forsling and lived with some of those growing pains like you insisted on doing with Trevor Van Riemsdyk for two years and gave them the same chance he got, maybe if he was a, if they were Canadian kids, they'd get a better shot, right? <laughs> uh, if you gave them the development shot that they deserved or they should have had, maybe you wouldn't be in this predicament where you're relying on a 38-year-old and a 30, what's Johnny O'Dea, 36 and you've got Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith with miles and miles of hockey on their legs. And the same with Nicholas Jalmerson, who blocks shots like crazy, is obviously playing hurt, was out of gas in overtime. But guess what? Because you leaned on your veterans all year, and Michael Roosevelt, let's not forget about that. He had to have that guy back, as opposed to giving minutes to Kempney and Forsling and maybe Vili Polka, some other young guys in the system. Now this is where you are. And now you're stuck, because you can't do it now in game four. Say, go ahead, Michael Kempney. Get out there and save the series. No, you can't do that to the guy now. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I want to go back, though, to, to what you said about them being soft. I don't think they're soft because we saw them take a freaking beating from the Anaheim Ducks in 2015, and they gutted out and won that series. And that was a lot of the same players we have right now. What, what, what frustrates me is the assumption that they're just going to roll out the puck and the Nashville Predators are going to say, go ahead and open the pearly gates for them and just let them score at will. Hell no. The Nashville Predators want to shove this series up their asses, and that's exactly what they're doing. And the Hawks were somehow surprised that a team dares stand up to them when the playoffs began. And now they're down 2 nothing. and now in game three, like, oh, how about some urgency now? Yeah, maybe good idea. Well, it's too damn late. 
and you had a bounce go against you, you had a call go against you, and now you're down 3 nothing with Game 4 in Nashville, and what the hell adjustments can you make? What the hell else can you do at this point? I'm really fed up with some of the comments that I'm seeing from guys like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves when they're saying, oh, the fourth game's the toughest to win. Oh, we need to play with a sense of urgency. Where's that sense of urgency been? Did you not notice in game one how you got your heads kicked in? Did you not notice in game two you gave up five goals on your home ice and basically gave Nashville everything they wanted? You want to talk to me about a sense of urgency? I don't want to hear the words passing your lips. I want to actually see concrete action on the ice. And I'm not seeing it from this team. They literally, they looked like they just thought they were just going to roll through this postseason. And again, I know this is all a perception thing. And I know that it's... The, the whole, oh, they just want it more. I know that's one of the most tired cliches in sports, and I get so tired of people saying it. But there's a problem, Jay. The problem is it might actually be applicable in this case. So my hatred of hot takery and my hatred of just cliches that pundits use and the reality that I'm seeing on the ice are at odds with each other, and I don't know what to do. I, I, I have no... Just there's no way of putting into words what I'm thinking as I watch this train wreck happen before my eyes. Well, I said it to start this off, and I said it last night on my Facebook Live broadcast after the game that I'm trying to temper my anger, and it, I hated. I I, I kind of don't like going on as soon as the game ends because you have emotion fresh in your head, and you haven't been able to sleep on it and sort of process your thoughts. So I figured I wake up this morning, head out to work. And I would feel a little bit better talking about the game before the show today. Still pissed off talking yeah. about the show during the game today. Still during the show today. Still pissed off on the way off the train. I'm trying to think of things to talk about on the podcast. And I'm just getting angrier and angrier and angrier as I'm writing. Look, you're right. At some point, And this is see, we, me and you say this all the time. We're believers in the metrics of the game. We're believers in advanced stats. But you also have to believe your eyes. And from yeah. what we've seen, the effort is not there. Or at least maybe it was there last night, maybe. But for the first two games, the Hawks look like they were not interested in playing in the series. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're looking at Tyler Sagan's Instagram and getting jealous. Like, wow, look at him. He's on the beach. He's surfing. Living <laughs> the life. Let's do that. That's way better than getting our dicks checked into the boards every three seconds. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's apathy. Maybe I three Stanley Cups, those guys feel satisfied. I think there's one thing here that we do. I, it's the elephant in the room, and we kind of have to address it, man. Maybe maybe the effort, maybe the desire, maybe it's there. Maybe they just don't have what it takes to do what it takes anymore. Maybe they just don't. Maybe age is finally catching up to guys like Brent Seabrook and Marion Hossa and Johnny Oduya. Maybe this thing that we feared these guys were to end up hitting the proverbial wall because of the mileage that's on those legs from playing in World Cups and Olympics and deep playoff runs. Maybe it's just all finally running its course, man. Maybe we're getting to a point where the Blackhawks are going to have to look at Brent Seabrook as a third-pairing defenseman. Maybe they're going to have to look at Marion Hossa as a guy who can only play bottom six minutes. Maybe they're going to have to bring in younger guys to fill top six roles to take some of the pressure off of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane in the scoring department. Duncan Keith isn't getting any younger. Nick Jalmerson isn't getting any younger. Maybe this thing that we were so worried about that age was finally going to catch up to these guys. It, it's so insane to me to even think that it's a possibility, but what we've seen in this series, you can't dismiss it. 
you can't dismiss the idea that age is finally catching up with these guys and might finally be, you know, starting to close this championship window that we thought with the infusion of young talent they had this season was maybe going to stay open longer. Maybe we were just wrong about that. Well, I think another thing that we all overlooked, and I want to make this brief. we got to get in some of our sponsors here. We're not going to do a super long podcast again. But um, to come in and contribute in the playoffs is a tough assignment for a rookie. And when you even look back at Brandon Saad, who everyone called the man-child, everyone said that you know from day one he seemed like a grizzled NHL player. What did it take him, 15, 20 playoff games to score a goal? Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a different game. And for as much criticism as Tavo Teravainen got in this town, um, and for as much as maybe he underachieved what a lot of people thought he would be, myself included, he's one of the few guys that in playoff games was making things happen. It's rare for a guy like Nick Schmaltz or Ryan Hartman to come in and be a difference maker in a series. That's not really something you can expect from those guys. And while they did during the regular season, the playoffs are a different animal. And you've seen Nick Schmaltz you know, take the ice in game one and say, holy God, this is a different thing. This is not what I was going through, you know, for whatever, however many played 50-some games with the Hawks this year. Uh, it was a totally different thing, and he had trouble adjusting to that speed. Ryan Herman is having the same issue, if he can even get on the ice. Oh. It's just, uh, man. It, and again, we talked about it early in the season about they're going to be too young on the bottom, too old on the top. And they put together 109, was 109 point regular season? Yeah. Um, with what appears to be smoke and mirrors. I, which is insane to me that you can do that as an NHL team. You would think an 82-game regular season would be enough to kind of separate the, you know, posers from the real deal. And, God, it's just it's been the complete opposite of that. It feels like we've all been duped to a degree by this team, man. We, we kept levying the criticisms during the season and every single time it felt like the Blackhawks would answer the bell and we'd be left sitting there going, apparently we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Now we're sitting here down 3 nothing. The team's played like garbage for the most part. And maybe maybe we were right all along to have doubts about this team, man. It's such a weird time and such a weird emotion right now that it's just it's kind of unreal to me. I did want to make one more comment about your uh, your talk about young players. And... I think for the most part, I agree with you, but there's something that has to be said about Nashville. A lot of guys like Victor Arvidsson and Kevin Fiala and guys like that, it's not like they have Boku amounts of experience in the postseason. You know what I mean? Like they, they came in, they just have an attitude about them that they are going to come out and they are going to hit you with their best punch on every single shift. And if you want to chalk that up to youthful hunger from a team that hasn't really accomplished anything in the postseason, I can't really think of many more compelling statements of intent than to come out and sweep the team that has won three Stanley Cups in the last seven years. That's a pretty bold and audacious statement, and those young guys for Nashville are a big driving force to why they're doing it. Well, they've got absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. And uh, they were a lot of people's preseason pick to win the Stanley Cup. They were Including mine. yours. Yep, yep, they were my pick to win the Stanley Cup, and they came out real slow and then started picking up steam as the season went on. Um, but, yeah, you're seeing a combination, I think, of 
hungry young players and a national team looking to prove people wrong, knowing that they've arrived as contenders with the development of Philip Forsberg, with Arvidsson's big season, with the addition of P.K. Subban, they become a legitimate team, and they believe it. And now they're proving it to themselves. And I think you have a little bit of, look, it's natural, okay? As a Hawks fan, a fourth Stanley Cup will not mean to me what the first Stanley Cup meant. It's simply not that important to me anymore because I've seen three championships, right? Mm-hmm. You have to think the players feel the same way where it's like, well, you know, we've already won three. If we have an early offseason, it's not the end of the world. I, of course they want to win it. Of course, you know, they're playing harder than we're giving them credit for. Of course, of course, of course. We're angry. We're speaking from our hearts and not necessarily from our heads. But I think subconsciously that little, like, should I go in that corner and take that hit? Whereas a kid like Arvidsson or Fiala would say, hell yeah, I'm going to take that hit and I'm going to make that pass and we're going to score and win. You know, someone like uh, Patrick Kane or, or uh, Hosa can say, eh, you know, I, I've been hit a lot in my career, so we'll just let them take this one and, and li- live to fight another day. Um, it's, man, you are seeing two teams in the opposite directions and it's really terrifying. Well, I'll tell you what's not terrifying, James. Oh, God. The strip steak <laughs> special at Marishka's this week. That's exactly right. Go see our friends at Marishka, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. This week through Sunday, a 12-ounce strip steak special with a double-baked potato and a salad for $14.95. Come on! Go get a steak, you jerks. Okay, I'm turning into Alex Jones. i got to stop doing that. All right, <laughs> 604. No, you, but you actually believe what <laughs> you say. Yes, I actually believe it. Uh, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Uh, really an awesome place. Celebrating her 84th birthday today. Happy birthday to Marishka's, uh, the Zadralovich family. They've done an awesome job for four generations. So we thank them for their sponsorship. If you've never been to Marishka's before, make sure you try the Poor Boy Sandwich. That is their go-to item. It's awesome. I highly recommend the onion rings, the double-baked potato, like I mentioned in the steak special. Fantastic. Oh. The Icelandic cod. They've got craft beers, banquet facilities for up to 110 people. So go to marishkas.com or check them out on Facebook at facebook.com hey, Addie, slash marishkas, M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S, open seven days a week, and close only on Easter, Christmas Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. <sighs> All right, taking a breath, trying to regroup. But every time I regroup, James, and every time I calm down, I just find myself feeling the same way. You know, and usually that's not the case. Usually yeah. I can convince myself that, you know, the Hawks are going to storm back. They're going to make this a series. But at no point have I felt that they're the better team in the series at all. I, re- I really haven't. And like I said on Twitter last night, you don't luck into being up 3-0 in a series. You uh, you have to be the better team. And through three games, there is zero question that Nashville has been the better team. And I think lost amidst all of this commenting on like you said the lack of urgency in the corners or like i said just the seeming lack of urgency in every conceivable area of the game and the passivity with which the blackhawks have played lost in kind of all of that and all of the you know vitriol and yelling we did you have have to just give credit to the nashville predators for not only the game plan that they and peter laviolette came up with but just the way they've played, man. They have played like a a bona fide Stanley Cup contender. And it would not shock me in the least to see this team go on and lift that thing up in June. It really wouldn't. They 
they're the complete package. They've got great defenders. They've got Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi. And as much as I hate to say it because of what a pud he's been the entire series, P.K. Subban, they've got all that. They've got this tremendous forward depth that I don't think people give them enough credit for. That Johansson line with Arvidsson has just been bonkers the entire series. And not only that, they've been going up against the Jonathan Taves line, which is supposed to be the shutdown line, and Keith and Jalmerson. And they're just taking that matchup and going, hey, guess what? We don't care. We're going to score anyway. And they're just getting scoring from everywhere, and they're playing with this enthusiasm and this skill. They're a hell of a team, man, and all credit to them for really coming out and proving a lot of people wrong with how well they played in this series. Well, they deserve a crap load of credit, but guess what? They're in for it now, my friend. The Blackhawks just got this email. Breaking news on the podcast. Oh, God. The Blackhawks recall three from Rockford, and they're here to save the series. Kyle Bond, (laughs) Tyler Mott, and Eric Gustafson are on their way. Look out, Nashville. Here they come. The comeback is on. Kyle Bond's going to stick at your giggy, as Terry Bores would say. Oh, my God. Who's he coming in for, by the way, if they actually decide that this is like the desperation move is to bring in one of those guys? Does it matter? No. No, it does not. (laughs) It truly doesn't. Like, is it? All right. So here's what's going to happen. Either they're called up and don't do anything, which is probably what's going to happen. Probably. Or they all play as like a punishment, air quotes, to the veterans that didn't show up. I don't think that's going to happen. That's not really Quenville's style. But No, Quenville wants to win. Quenville, does not, Quenville doesn't want to get swept. Because I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, the Blackhawks have not been swept under Quenville, correct? I uh, believe they've lost in five games, I think, once. I think they that's won one it. to Phoenix. In that Phoenix series, they won one, right? They won no, one they won two home. there. They won. I think they won two in the Phoenix series. Boy, so that was... They lost, <laughs> they lost game six in Chicago. There's an off-season topic for you. Which of those series was more painful, this one or that one? Oh, God. That one was so bad. They're putting 50 shots on goal, but from, like, the blue line or further out. (laughs) Yeah, and Corey Crawford honestly couldn't stop any of them. He he looked like crap in that series. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, he he has not looked like crap in this series, for the record. I don't care that he gave up five goals in game two or that he gave up three last night. I cannot pin this on Corey Crawford. No, game two is an aberration because you're down two, you're trying to come back, and you're taking every chance you can, yeah. and you're just leaving him exposed. I mean, that's understandable. The one thing that he did that pissed me off, though, in the first time you take the field as a youth and your coach has a whistle, whatever sport it is, the message is play till you hear the whistle. And he just assumed that puck hit the net. All the Blackhawks stopped playing, and the Predators didn't. And that was a little crack in the window they needed to bust it down. And, uh, man, I was how could you fall asleep on that? I have no idea. If you're not sure, keep playing. The whistle yeah. will come. Yeah, if you're not sure, pick up the damn puck. I mean, you God. have a glove on for a reason. You know, I'm a big Corey Crawford supporter. I am the guy who's always fending idiots off when they say he sucks. But every now and again, he'll do something so indefensible <laughs> that's just like, well, I guess they win this round. Because I was fighting with a guy yesterday who said they won two cups in spite of Crawford. Oh, for God's sake! It was just get out uh, of here with that stupid. I'm not take. even. Get, I'm not even getting into it anymore. It's just. Oh, it's man. so. It's not even worth justifying. But uh, every now and again, Corey does something to those people that do support him that they're like, "Come on, Corey, Come give on. me a chance in this argument, please." <laughs> well. 
if you want to order your Kyle Bond, your Tyler Mott, or your Eric Gustafson jerseys in time for game... Playoff hero, Tyler Mott. (laughs) Right. You got to get them in time for game seven. You got to go to Triple Threat Sports, the best place in the area to get your NHL jerseys lettered. But did you know they're also the best place to go if your team needs jerseys? Whether you're an elite travel, high school, or a college program that needs to outfit hundreds of kids, or if you're an NHL team that's resting on its laurels, and you think that you just deserve to win a round despite... Uh, the other team being hungrier and younger and faster and stronger than you. Or if you're a beer and pizza league team with 12 players, Triple Threat can put you in pro-quality jerseys at pricing you can afford. Triple Threat Sports can work with you on every aspect of the job. Logo design, fitting, apparel for off-ice, you name it. And you don't have to be a hockey player to wear uniforms from Triple Threat. They can get uniforms and apparel for all sports. Baseball, softball, football, lacrosse, and more. So for more info, call Chris at 708 708- Four seven eight six zero nine zero. That's seven zero eight four seven eight six zero nine zero. Or email him for more info at chris at triplethreatsports dot com. Triple Threat Sports. If you can wear it, they can make it. We love Triple Threat Sports. Uh, yes, we do. And we love Chris in a very non sexual way. Well, at least speak me. for yourself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, here we are, man. I, you know, I, I, I was really. Looking forward to a long playoff run, and uh, I can look to back history and say, well, you know, they've done it before. They've come back before, you know, and uh, I just cannot convince myself it's happening again, and hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe they pull it off. Maybe they win four in a row. Make us look like complete chumps again, because frankly, that's all they've done this season is every time we've made some broad proclamation, whether it's your statement about Ryan Hartman being junk or... My statement about the team being old and slow, they've gone out of their way to prove us wrong at every single opportunity they get. And yet again, those Blackhawks, they got us again. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't see it happening. I, I swear I hope we're wrong. And I will eat, I'll spend a whole episode eating crow. Oh, no doubt. If that's the case. But We, we both will. And we, we, we own our mistakes, man. I think that our listeners... I never ask them to give us really credit for anything. Like even when we, you know, do call things, I just, I'll give myself the pat on the back. I don't need anyone else to do it for me. The one thing I will ask them to give us credit for is that we own our mistakes and we own when we say something and we end up being wrong. I like to think that we're both very kind of open and honest about that. Well, look, when your job is to talk about and discuss and make predictions on things, um, you're going to be wrong sometimes, and I don't run from that. I've made a lot of mistakes. I said Ryan Hartman can't play. He proved me wrong. He, pr- he proved me very wrong. I also f- thought Vinny Henestroza was going to have the best rookie year of all those guys. Mm-hmm. I was wrong there, too. I've been wrong before. I thought Tavo Teravina was the next Pavel Dotsuk. I've been I, wrong a lot, yeah. and it's going to keep happening. But I think I've been right about a lot of things, too. So um, whatever. You know, I'm not. I'm not afraid of being wrong. That's why... You have opinions as opposed to sort of dancing around things and not really saying anything. Yeah, that gets boring, man. I'd rather give you a wrong opinion than not give you anything. That's sort of my philosophy. I like your philosophy, sir. All right, buddy. Well, we've got game four on Thursday. Uh, hopefully you and I can get together for one quickly after that and uh, and discuss what is hopefully game five on the horizon. Uh, I will be on the score Thursday night with Julie DeCaro starting at 10 p.m. or when the Hawks game ends, whichever happens later, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. And we'll be on until midnight breaking down that Hawks game. And hopefully, again, it's a preview of Game 5 as opposed to putting a bow on a very short and disappointing 2016-17 season. Uh, but until then, James, I'll catch you on the other side, buddy. 
Thank mm-hmm. you for being available. Short notice. And uh, go Hawks? Question mark. <laughs> um, I did. I did want to uh, publicly offer my services to you and Julie if you need a uh, mediator. If you uh, need someone to kind of break up the tension, I can come on with my nonsensical opinions on Thursday night. I will be in the city and available for that purpose. Ah, good to know. Maybe we'll have you swing by. Cool. That would be awesome. All right, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933, and the Black Oak and Oak Lawn, the newest addition to the South Suburbs. The Black Oak is a full-service restaurant and tavern located in 9630 South Pulaski and Oak Lawn. The Black Oak serves breakfast, lunch, and dinner with hours from 7 a.m. to 2 a.m. seven days a week with signature burgers consisting of a proprietary blend of beef brisket, beef chuck, and short rib, and a steak sandwich made from Australian Wigu sirloin. You're sure to love every bite. They've got 13 TVs, so you will catch every last minute, and it could be the last minutes, of the Blackhawks. So stop by for an outstanding meal and stay for the great atmosphere. Contact the Black Oak at 708-572-4500 or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Black Oak Tavern. The Black Oak, the South Suburbs' finest casual upscale dining. Thank you for joining us once again on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. And until next time, have a great rest of your week. Bye. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom... Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network.